if you remember, a number of months ago, we had a Sunday set aside just for what we called Calvary Stories. So people from our church who are sharing um, aspects of their life to encourage us as a church um, and as a body. And so we've been doing this series on God's faithfulness, and we've been reflecting on how God is faithful to us. And so uh, we thought it would be amazing to really bookend this series with a couple conversations um, about God's faithfulness in our lives. Um, So I'm here with Haley, uh, and I'm just going to ask Haley a few questions um, and draw some wisdom out of Haley and some of her experiences. And um, our hope and our prayer is that this encourages you um, and has you reflecting on your own story uh, and how God has been faithful in your life. But first and foremost, um, who are you? (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself, your context, and how you came to faith. Um, I'm Haley. Um, I have a paper because I actually hate public speaking, which Mindy kind of touched on. (laughs) Um, So as most of you probably know, I've been coming to Calvary since like 2005 um, with my parents, um, with my family, but most of my family doesn't really come to church anymore. My my siblings don't, Um, but I did grow up in like a Christian home where I was encouraged to um, come to church and go to the youth group and volunteer in different ministries. Um, and I decided with my mom at six years old, right outside those sanctuary doors, to take communion for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was baptized right there in, when I was 13 um, because I believed in God and that he loved me and um, because I wanted to follow him. Um, and then the summer before going into high school, Jordan Bradbeer, who a lot of you probably know, um, convinced me somehow to join the worship team after hearing me sing along to the radio one time. I, I tried to convince him it wasn't me singing. Um, and he honestly wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> and so I joined the team um, because I think I was such a people pleaser. And I just said, sure, I'll do it. And so I started going to practices and um, singing in the youth group and, and coming on Sundays, which was awesome. Um, but my, I think my growing up, my school life and my church life were kept like pretty separate. I mean, I went to school, and none of my friends were Christians. And then I would come to church, and like I had my church friends and my and my and my school friends, and they didn't really collide worlds at all. Um, but my friends at school always knew I was a Christian, and like knew I was the one that would make the good decisions. <laughs> Actually, sometimes my my friends' parents would like only let them go to things if I was going to be there. It was kind of like a power I held. I, held. I, I felt kind of powerful in that way. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would go to like chapel conferences and have like these amazing experiences in, in worship and prayer with God. Um, and then I would be like, yeah, like this is, this is great. And then I would go back to school and have no one really to share it with. And so that was kind of tricky growing up. But I think after I graduated high school, that's when my faith started to become my own, away from my parents, as probably most young adults, teenagers happen to them. Um, Yeah, um, I I think I lived a lot of my life trying to please people around me. And um, yeah, I've struggled with like anxiety ever since I was a kid. And so 
I think that brought about some identity issues in me, like who was I, who did I want to be, who did people think I was, what did I really enjoy doing, I didn't really know. Um, yeah, and so then I started interning with the church in 2017, um, and I did that for like three summers and was working with Jordan, it was a lot of fun, and um, those were some of like the most formative years of my Christian faith and life. Um, and I was going to Douglas College at the same time um, to become a teacher, which I don't think I ever really wanted to do. It was just kind of like one of the the, the, t the careers that you know of as a kid, <laughs> teacher or doctor, or <laughs> so I chose teacher. Um, but I didn't really want to do that. And um, in my second year, I became like super unmotivated and like depressed and um, I was failing all my classes and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And um, it, it took me a long time to kind of open up to my friends and the people closest to me, um, which I think is very typical for a lot of people who are going through a hard time. Um, and I remember just feeling really lonely to be honest. And um, I remember this one staff meeting a few years ago and Judy Baum, I got permission to use her name. <laughs> Judy Baum was in the staff meeting and at the end we were, we were praying and she said, oh, I feel like God has given me a vision for each of you, um, like each of you are represented as a different tree. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And, <laughs> and so she goes around telling everyone what their tree is and she came to me and she said, um, something along the lines of like, God's told me that you're an aspen tree because the aspen tree stands out in the crowd and it's like bright, beautiful yellow leaves like are, yeah, stand out amongst the green trees in the forest. And I, I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then, and, but on the inside I kind of laughed because I felt like that's garbage, that's not true. And how could that be from God really? because it felt so untrue. I had such a warped perception of myself and um, it wasn't until a few, like half a year later, I was at a worship central conference and um, I was listening to like one of the random sermons. I don't even remember who it was or what they were talking about. And all of a sudden my brain popped up the thought, um, aspen trees lose their leaves in the winter. And I was like, that's a weird thought. Like, where did that come from? It was so random. And so I remember I couldn't focus for like the whole rest of the day and I went home and I was like researching aspen trees. <laughs> I, I was like, what does this mean? Is this from God? Um, and I remember learning that aspen trees do in fact lose their leaves in the winter. And it's actually like a really crucial process for them because they still grow in the winter, unlike a lot of other deciduous trees. Um, I'm not gonna explain everything <laughs> because I honestly don't know. I just, I just took it and I ran with it and I was like, God is trying to show me that in this season that I'm going through, um, he's using it for his good. Um, he's shaping me and molding me into the person that, um, yeah, he wants me to be. And um, I think in that moment, I felt like so comforted, like, like God saw me for the first time. Um, and um, yeah, so I think when people say like, oh, how did you, when did you um, 
decide to follow Jesus. I don't know if there was an exact moment. I think growing up in the church, I have always believed in God and known that he knew that he loved me. Um, and I feel like my love for Jesus is growing stronger as I grow myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I'm just learning how to listen to his voice and follow him the best that I can. Cool. Thanks, Haley. Yeah. Um, just a follow-up question, and you touched on this a little bit, but um, kind of on the theme of God's faithfulness, how have, throughout the years, how have you seen God's faithfulness in your own life? Mm-hmm. Um. Honestly, since I grew up here at Calvary, I think a lot of um, God's faithfulness has been shown to me at this church and through the people here, through you guys. (laughs) Um, God provided me with a job that I didn't feel like I deserved at the time. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of imposter syndrome, like where you feel someone is going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing. Hmm. And... (laughs) I'm going to get fired and like they're all going to realize that I'm not capable of this job Um, and I think eventually I grew into it and um, sometimes I still feel that way though it's it's a weird weird Mm -hmm. thought Um, yeah it's been incredible to to serve and to work with like some amazing people and we've like really built some incredible friendships which I attribute to God's faithfulness in my life Um, there's been multiple times in the past few years where I've been like struggling financially and um, I was at the ends of my own resources and like somehow people from the congregation just like anonymous, anonymously provided exactly what I needed. Mm. There's like, yeah, it's just, it's God's faithfulness just over and over every time I, I feel like I'm at the end of my my own abilities I just remember like oh yeah God is the one who's always going to pull through for me um yeah um he knows exactly what we need before you even have to ask and I mean there's definitely been times where I've asked for things and God maybe he hasn't answered them or maybe he's still taking his time that's what I like to think um but really he is he is good, and I know that factually because of his word, and it tells us that. And because I know he's yeah. good, I know that he wants the best possible life for me, um, and so I can trust in that. And his timing is perfect. And, um, yeah, another, another, another thing is just getting to be a part of um, the youth leadership team has been, yeah. like, a, a great... Um, just way that God has shown me that he is faithful in providing like such a strong community of people who care about accountability and uh, spiritual health and just like having fun together. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just as we close, um, how do you remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the day-to-day life, the ebbs and flows of the week? How do you remind yourself of God's faithfulness, and how can you, in that, encourage our church to be reminded of God's faithfulness? Um, something I've been trying to work on probably my whole life is, like, being quicker and coming back to God when I feel like I've failed or when I've been too busy or when I'm angry or when I'm sad. Um, just being quicker in, in coming back to him. 
um, and in this circumstance, just reminding myself of like the practical ways that God has provided for me in the past. Mm. Um, I wish I could say that I love to journal, but I'm not a journaler. But I, the idea of writing like a gratitude journal where, you know, you write down every day the things that you, God has been yeah. or how he has been faithful to you, yeah. even in your week or in your day. That's like a very beautiful picture for me. Um, and I would love to be that person. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not currently, so I have a lot to learn. Um, I actually also recently read the, again, the, the book from Brother Lawrence, Practicing mm. the Presence of God. And um, really, it, I feel like it's just a call to slow down our lives um, and to be more intentionally living in the spirit of God. Um, he talks about when he's doing the dishes his like time with God is more, or is just as valuable and, and powerful as when he is like praying in his set aside times at 5 a.m. or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of the person that I wanna be, you know, able to recall all the moments in my life where God's been faithful and just, mm -hmm. you know, I think we could all probably use more of Jesus when we're emptying the dishwasher and yeah. walking past a stranger writing an email, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I still, um, I still struggle with anxiety and bouts of depression. And, um, hmm. but I know now that I can rely on God. I can trust him because I know from his word and from my own life experiences that he's been faithful and will be faithful. Um, and I guess that's the encouragement. Great. Well, I wanna echo even what Dave and what Mindy were saying that it's been a gift being like ministered to and, and having you lead worship in this time and even in this moment to be able to kind of go deeper and hear about some of the experiences you've had and um, some of how you've seen and witnessed God's faithfulness in your life. So I really appreciate that reminder. Um, and I'm sure the church feels the same. And so what we're going to do is we're going to um, just outstretch our hands and we're going to pray for Haley um, as we transition to um, another time of worship and response. And so if you're able to, right where you're at, could you just outstretch your hand and we're just going to pray right now. God, we are really grateful for Haley. Thank you that you have used her time and time again to lead us into, really, like, lead us into your throne room where we can participate in um, the amazing heavenly worship that's happening. And so, God, as Haley um, transitions into this next season, would we be present in her life and would she be continually reminded of your faithfulness? Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tina is going to come and join me. So similarly, we're um, going to have a conversation, Tina and I, about God's faithfulness and how God has been faithful in your life, Tina, and our prayer and our hope is that this encourages you and inspires you to reflect on your own story. And so thank you so much for being willing to be up here and to share a bit about your life. So 
Um, Tina, tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, your childhood, your experiences, all that good sure. stuff. Yeah, thank you for having me, Grace. Mm -hmm. It's such a privilege to share what I think is God's story mm. through my life. Yeah. yeah. And like Haley just shared that, it's so hard to say when you've been Christian. And uh, for me, I feel like it was so hard to answer this question, but I clearly feel that God, my faith journey can divide it by three phases. Mm -hmm. So the first phase started from when I was born and until when I was 33 years old. That's the year I came to Canada. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was born and grew up in China, mainland China. So Chengdu is the, my hometown. Actually, that's the city just got locked down two days ago. Okay. Yeah. And I, the year I was born was 1977. I think that year is important because Chinese Cultural Revolution ended at seven, 1976. Uh, Chairman Mao Zedong died. Yeah. And then um, also, also means that the social chaos end. And I didn't experience any major social chaos in my life, but I can feel the, the damage through that. Yeah. And yeah, you can imagine the life was like North Korea at that time, and everyone wear the same colors, same clothes, and the shops the same. It's not a really free market. Mm -hmm. And the education was very like controlled, and, and we're still like that, but at that time it was very intense, controlled by the government. And so there's no way to, to know the life out of China. Yeah. But my childhood was, I feel it's a bit special than the the neighborhood I observed because my parents' job allowed me to um, have some little contact to outside because mm -hmm. they were English teacher in a university and later they were um, English and Mandarin interpreters in an airline company. So they have mm -hmm. lots of business trips whenever the government purchased the airlines, air airplanes in in Seattle, a Boeing company. So mm -hmm. they brought back lots of stuff, including books and music and, mm. and snacks <laughs> <laughs> and clothes. So I feel like that's kind of privilege for me. It's a different. Mm -hmm. And also including people look like you <laughs> came to my home. Yeah. Yeah. There are foreigner teachers in the university or there are foreigners my parents met on the street, especially my mom. Very, um, willing to help them when they like just ran into someone, uh, foreigners, they, they, went, they were in the restaurants, where they're on the street, they don't know the direction, so my mom just initiatively helped them. So they, and she was invited by missionaries couples hmm. to their home in Chengdu. So my mom took me to their home a couple of times, and I have memories, she and other uh, adults in one room, and they, yeah, they study Bible, and I was like in another room, play. Yeah, I was very young. But that just, um, just a couple of times, and didn't last long, because they were fun, they were reported, and they were expelled to the city, they're back to US, yeah. And I think because of, because of this um, 
uh, open my eyes of the countries, the world outside of China. Um, so I chose to go to Europe to have my, like after graduation high school, I studied in Switzerland for two years. Hmm. Yeah, and there was still China, um, um, no, Christians, friends who were Christians in my life, then they invited me to the church, but I didn't. Hmm. <laughs> Very interesting, I feel like that's something belong to you people, different look like me and speak English or other language is not my, belongs to my culture or my, yeah. So I didn't go, but I was very attracted to the church buildings. Yeah. So I used my time, uh, explore the cities, the country, and I always like to get into the church when it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just feel it's beautiful. There's yeah. something power humbles you. Yeah. And I, and before I back, back to China, that was just well, maybe one or two weeks before I leave. And there was an old lady. I was outraged <laughs> on a train. So I was on the train and it was empty, but she chose to sit beside me. <laughs> yeah, very, very cute lady and colorful, the hair bands on my hair. Yeah. And she asked me, where are you from and what do you do here and what's your plan? So I shared a little bit and I can't rem really remember the conversation, but I told her I'm going to back to China very soon. And, I, and she asked my home address of China. So she mailed um, Christmas cards every year, continuously many wow. years, until I moved, like I, I changed my address. But at that time, I feel not that special, like just something you, you, you're expecting to receive before Christmas, but more like a seasoning greeting. Yeah. Um, but now I feel that's very, very powerful because now you know she was praying for me. Yeah. Maybe she's not the only one praying for me. She must share with the friends or church and say, there's a Chinese girl I met on the train and pray for her. And that's very powerful. Yeah. You're thinking now. Yeah. And I, so I too, so jumped to the year before I decided, like I planned to immigrate. And I worked at the time, I worked at a US um, company, Intel, in my city. They had a big factory in my city. So I worked there. Um, so every day we took shuttle bus from, yeah, from my home to that plant and on the shuttle bus, there is a Chinese lady, a coworker. I feel she's very special. Hmm. She carries that smile, the peace, and maybe it's common here, but it's really hard to see in China. You yeah. know? On the streets, not really people carry that smile. It's like just different. So I feel she's very, I want to, I want to, yeah, I want to know her. I want to have like, be friends with her, you know, like that feelings. So I, and she always have something like one book, maybe daily devotions and always, and sometimes Bible on her, in, his, in her hand, in the bus, she was reading on the bus. So since I, hmm, I knew her, she told me she was actually back from Vancouver. Wow. She came, 
she graduated from SFU and had family here, raised the kids here because parents getting old, she decided to back to China to take care of them. And so, mm. yeah, and she introduced me to a small group in Intel. They're all Chinese coworkers. They are all Christian. Because like um, before Chinese New Year and we have uh, like whole companies uh, celebrations party. So um, I have many prepared lots of performance. So she was leading a, a choir. They were say, uh, they would say San, amazing grace. So she told me, do you want to join us? I said, okay. And I didn't know it's a Christian group. Mm -hmm. So I joined and they prayed before the practice, before uh, the performance. That's the first time I really closely um, connected to Christian, a uh, Chinese Christian. Yeah. yeah, and she introduced me to the Bible study small group and introduced me to a uh, home church. Hmm. But unfortunately, that home church, um, the Chinese couples who, who are like pastoring the home church, they were arrested in just recent years. Yeah, okay. just recently, very sad. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, so that year that right before I came to Canada, I think this is the face of like, Kids, uh, God planted like, seeds in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then the next phase, I feel like God actually prepared me for my life in Canada. Yeah. I came here bef because of marriage. Uh, I because I I divorced. Uh, have my two kids. They were my two daughters, and in China. So that divorce brought lots of shame and mm -hmm. fear of raising kids by yourself. So I was like, and also brought shame of my parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was like kind of, I want to restart my life again. Yeah. So I want to prove to them like I can fix my life. I know what to do and don't worry and don't judging me. And, yeah. and I, so I met my second husband. Mm -hmm. So at that time he was from my hometown but he already been here, right. yeah. And so I also I want to like find a father for my daughters, you mm -hmm. know, like, and so the year I came here was 2011 until 2018. That was, I feel this year is very dark to me, darkest life in my life. Time in my life, that was, I didn't, uh, was totally different as I thought. And I, the way I left was really like the Bible story prodigal song. I'm the only child of my parents. Mm -hmm. And I feel I was like prodigal daughter, mm -hmm. the way I left. I didn't receive blessings and lots of worries from them and people like lots of advice. I was like, I know what I'm going to do, yeah. Mm -hmm. But once I came here, I feel like, wow, this is, I was isolated, mm -hmm. uh, kind of trapped in that controlling and abusive. But you don't want to share this with your parents because yeah. you want to prove, still want to prove by your own strength to, to prove you're right. Um, but God prepared. I knew him before I came here and I pray and I couldn't go to church and lost lots of freedom, which, uh, like adults usually a very basic freedom. Like I can't really free to go anywhere. I couldn't work. I can't drive. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to imagine. 
But I, I pray and I, I listen to sermon online, and I just use the Bible to seeking uh, the strength and some wisdom. How can I go this life? Mm -hmm. So and and then until 2018, uh, some uh, like physical abuse happened, yeah. and I. That day, I, uh, March 10th, that's the incident happened. And we left on 12th. Yeah. And that day itself was, I feel that day itself like how God brought Israelites across the river, you know. Mm -hmm. Because the fear I have, I even can't imagine I will live that life because where I should go. I even don't have the knowledge at what level I should contact police, contact MCFD. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But that morning I was, it's already happened two days. I just got, just waking up at 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. And very unusual. And I, I started to want to pack my passport and to pack my, 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 my bank cards and everything. But there's mm -hmm. debate in my mind. I said, should I wake up my daughters? Should I tell, how can I explain to them what happened? Because one of my daughters didn't know, because my older daughter didn't know what happened mm -hmm. at all. And I, yeah, but I couldn't leave because my ex woke up. So I forgot that thought, but, but I still went outside. I said, I, I, want, I want to have a walk. I want to jog that I usually do. I have some fresh air, but right, I had to, the, the park I planned to go, but God just guided me to my daughter's school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, then since then, since that moment, I sit in her house, I sit in her office, life changed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we're protected. We're protected by, yeah, those departments and I, police involved and I, and we, yeah, we're safe. Yeah. yeah. And I, well, maybe this part I can wrap up with the protocol doctor's yeah. story. Yeah. And I've, um, so I feel we are safe. I know what will happen. And well, actually God prepared me a uh, use dream to prepare this day that I had a very strange dream like weeks before that happened. And, but after that happened, I used that dream, prepare my courage to face that day. Mm -hmm. That's really hard to explain. That's just a miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I talked to my dad what happened. And I told him everything's fine now. So it's don't worry and we're safe. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my father was really like the father in the story. Mm -hmm. Until today, my dad never blamed me a word. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, it's just the love. I, yeah. I was expecting him to blame me. Yeah. I know this will happen. See, it's proof that I'm right. Mm -hmm. He can say that. Yeah. And he has a right to say that. Mm -hmm. But he didn't blame at all. He has just, are you safe? Are your daughter safe? Yeah. I have to give you some money. And he purchased an air ticket for us and back home. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the first time in seven years we went back to China <laughs> visit my parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, so each time I listen to this story, it's just touched me. Yeah. And my dad is a top Christian, he's communist. <laughs> <laughs> but the love is him. The love is yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I feel not because my dad uh, loved me at, from that moment, but, but it's, I think God used this experience opened my heart to receive his love. I know he loved me all the time. Like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, because yeah. I understand his love and I, I believe that his love, yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's the part, I, the second, those years of, as he was praying, seeking and waiting. Yeah. And I, from March 2018, then I came to Calvary and because my older daughter came to here first and, and she said, Mom, I know a church and we came and since then we were here. Yeah. And that was like, I feel like that's a phase of going home and um, found my identities and, and I no need to find a father for my daughters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, God is the mm -hmm. father for, him, for them. Yeah. So fathers, wow. we just celebrate his love and uh, yeah. that's very real. Wow. And I... Yeah, and I got lots of support from Calvary. Very, very um, grateful for every like people's support here, especially the small small group, uh, the global Calvary. Like we learn English, but actually use English the way um, to build that companionship. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I think that's <laughs> my well, story. Yeah, and. Wow, it's so, mm -hmm. we're so grateful how open you've been. And um, it's so clear that you're someone who's been so transformed and marked by God's yeah. love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can just sense that. And I think one of the things I'd love for our church to hear is, you know, what's an encouragement you have for us to be reminded of God's faithfulness in our day to day? Mm. So I feel like being Christian, uh, I think it's a re religion is a very narrow definition to be a Christian. I think it's about mutual connection, mutual relationship with God. So we, mm -hmm. we ask God what he gives to us, but actually I feel once you receive the love, it's like you love someone, you want to spend time with this person. You want to give, you want to connect to him. I just having more time to share the time with him by yeah. any any ways you reading bible come to church or just go to the nature i think there's every every moment every day there's you can remind you that it's god to give you the life and just spending time with him yeah yeah cool yeah. Uh, tina thank you so much for sharing uh what a blessing this has been to our church and appreciate you just being up here and taking that step that bold step and so um, church, I'm just going to invite you, just as we did for Haley, just to outstretch your hand if, you, if you're able to. And we're going to pray for you, Thank Tina. You. God, we are really, really grateful for Tina and her story, her resilience. And 
we can clearly see a life so marked and transformed by your love and by your Holy Spirit. God, as um, Tina and Tina's family continue to move forward, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be so present, paving the way for them at every turn. And so God, uh, as we listen to Tina's story, would we be reminded that God, you're faithful, that you love us, that you don't give up on us, and that you have a plan for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.